1: Welcome to Dollars and Cents. I'm Elaine Scullin, along with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates. They're experts in helping you get out of debt. So in this segment, it's called Consumer Debt Facts and Fictions, separating some key facts about consumer debt and debt solutions from fiction, the old adage, knowing is not owing. So if you were faced with a debt problem or are facing a debt problem or having trouble making all your monthly debt payments would you know what your rights are and what the remedies could be? So do you know where to turn for qualified debt advice? Well, Blair is going to separate some important facts about consumer debt and debt solutions from common fiction. And you might be surprised as we go through these, thinking, oh, I thought that was true. (laughs) And in fact, no, it's not. Uh, So I wanna start with the the recent BC Consumer Debt Study that was uh, done by Sands & Associates. And they do it, you do it every year, You player?
0: That's right. Yeah, it's our I think ninth issue this year, but yeah, every year we ninth. do it.
1: Yeah, and so finding that only five percent of consumers that they talked to said they got professional debt help right away or started looking for it right away. And then when they were asked about reasons for delaying getting that professional help, twenty-nine percent of the people polled said it was because they didn't know where to get the help. So, Blair, how do you, what do you say, what do you say to that? That's quite high, 30%.
0: Yeah, well, we've got more work to do, uh, Elaine. So I I hope (laughs) if if folks are listening, they they understand, you know, that most people, they're not aware of the things we're talking about on this show. So there's just a really significant gap in financial literacy in Canada. And even though access to credit is so normalized, you know, everyone's expected to use credit, use credit cards. You can barely use cash at some places now. There's just such a lack of openness and general knowledge about debt. uh, And especially when there's a problem, you know, it's really not clear where individuals should go for help. You know, people might know in general, okay, when they might turn to an accountant or a lawyer or a financial planner, but most people have no idea when they should reach out for debt help and they don't know that a licensed insolvency trustee can be their best ally to deal with a debt problem and help them move move forward. So you know shows like this, topics like this, Elaine, they're all about taking the stigma away. And I'm always so happy we can go through um, segments where we're going to talk about facts and show you know what's true and what's not and really give some straight good some practical advice for people as, as they face situations.
1: And I think, Blair, what you said was really important. Um, We are constantly faced with all these options to get more credit how to get money how to do it this way or do it that way but very little information on on good counseling around money or if you do get into a problem how to fix it and how to fix it well as opposed to the other things that we're confronted with all the time like uh, pay loan debts and or not pay loan debts but um what are they called help me blair when pay loan debts, that's what it is. Oh, Somebody going oh, for payday, a yeah. payday, loans? Yeah. Pa- payday loan, that's it. i got my yeah. words switched oh, yeah. around. All right, so first, yeah, the first thing, the first piece of fiction, most consumer debt problems are bad due to, uh, are, are due rather to bad budgeting and overspending. People are in debt because of bad budgeting and overspending. And what do you say to that?
0: Yeah, you know, the, the general conception is, you know, people who go bankrupt, they just made bad decisions. And, you know, if I or whoever else were f- facing the same situation, you know, I could have had a different outcome if I just made a better decision. Um, and, you know, there's a piece of that, you know, what we found is about a third of individuals, actually less than a third, about 28% of people who had filed the bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, they said that, yeah, the reason I'm doing this is because I overextended my credit because of general financial mismanagement. I just made some mistakes and, and that's that. I probably could have done something different okay, that's 28% for the vast majority of individuals. Uh, the reason why they're seeking help with their debts has nothing to do with any decisions that they've made, good or bad. It's just that something has happened in their life, an external shock that's left them unable to honor the obligations they thought they could if that, sh- if that shock hadn't happened. So the four of the top five causes, uh, one is essential costs of living that income couldn't cover. So we've all seen people use credit uh, increasingly over the past couple years as inflation has increased. Um, And people are saying, you know, cost of living has just outstripped my ability to pay for it. That was about 18% of people who filed for insolvency said, there's nothing different that I've done. It's just this, it's become so expensive to live and I've had to use credit to fill the gap. Um, The other three causes, uh, one is illness, injury, or health related problems. So uh, you can imagine if you're ill, your income is often interrupted. You may or may not have really good disability coverage. So that's a key driver of people seeking help with their debt is suddenly their health has, has been compromised. Uh, marital or relationship breakdown uh, traditionally a very high cause of people seeking insolvency help because suddenly you've got to divide uh, various assets you've got to re-establish a household quite often if the marriage deteriorates there's not the same focus on financial um, stability and making good decisions that there might have been just due to the issues the couple is dealing with uh, and then finally the last one job related issues unemployment layoff reduction in pay so if you think about it you know no one tries to get sick uh, no one intends to get divorced uh, and certainly, no one intends to, you know, be laid off from a job that was that was paying the bills. So, the vast majority of people that need help with their debt, they might have done all the right things, as we as we often say. But they end up in a situation where they might be needing to file either a bankruptcy or a proposal. So, the fact that most debt problems are due to bad budgeting or overspending—complete fiction. It's a very small percentage. It's generally due to circumstances outside of an individual's control.
1: And nothing says uh, that more quickly uh, and devastatingly than, I know, a pandemic, right? I mean, things can change at the turn of a dime these days. Uh, your situation is this, and then all of a sudden it's that. So uh, such good advice there. Uh, and if you know, if you already fit into that category and you know that you need to take some action and want to take some action to deal with your debt situation, give Sands & Associates a call, 1-800-661-3030 and get started. So uh, Blair, can you take us through some other facts and fictions? that are often misunderstood when it comes to sort of overall responsibility for a debt?
0: Yeah, this next one we, we still run into quite often, so it, it definitely uh, bear spending a little bit of time on. And the fact is that getting married does not make you responsible to your spouse's creditors. So just very clearly, you are not responsible for repaying the debts of your spouse simply by virtue of marriage, cohabitation, or even if, God forbid, they were to pass away, you don't inherit your spouse's debt. So it's a common misconception that spouses become legally responsible for paying each other's debts once they're married. We've probably all heard the phrase you know, you marry somebody, you marry their debt, it's a complete falsehood. You do not assume responsibility uh, for a spouse's debt just because you become married, cohabitated, had a child, anything like that. Um, the only way a spouse can be responsible for another spouse's debt is either, a one, on a very deliberate basis, you decide you're going to co-sign, you're going to co-borrow, you're going to sign together for something. That could be a loan, a lease, or a credit card. So if you keep your finances separate, that's not going to, to cause any issues. The other other scenario um, is if one partner incurred a bunch of debt when their relationship was going on but then the relationship ends there's a divorce under the bc family law act um, some of those debts can be split with the other uh, other partner even though they didn't incur the debt they could be asked to pay half but that's not the same as say visa trying to collect from two two different people, Visa can still only collect from the spouse who owed the debt. That's one spouse making a claim to the other, saying you know what, I want you to pay half of this debt that we incurred together. But the vast majority of cases, especially if the marriage or relationship is going to continue, there's no automatic relationship between being married and suddenly owing each other's debts. So many couples would make different financial decisions uh, if they were aware of that fact, because I've seen far too often, uh, a couple gets married, one person has a bunch of assets, the other has a bunch of debt, um, and and the person with assets sells those assets to pay off the family debt thinking they had to do so. Meanwhile, they could have kept those assets and the person who had the debt could have restructured it, perhaps done a proposal, and the family unit would have been that much better off. So make sure you understand clearly what you owe and what you don't owe. And just because a collection agent or someone at the bank tells you, well, this is a joint responsibility, you know, demand the proof of that. Make sure you can see where you signed to be jointly responsible. And if you haven't, well, then there, there's no basis for that liability.
1: Okay. What about old debts? Do they, do they ever expire or disappear?
0: Well, that's another good good question. So this is the fiction that old debts eventually expire. And in many fictions or many falsehoods, there's an element of truth. So let's you know dig a little bit deeper on this. So debts don't typically expire after a given amount of time. But what does happen is the creditor's time in which they can take legal action against you does expire. So in the province of BC, you might have heard about a two-year statute of limitations. And if you haven't, let me be the first to tell you, there is a two-year statute of limitations on base consumer debts and what that means is from two years from after the date the debt was incurred or the last payment against it was made or the last written acknowledgement of the debt was made by the person who owes the money. So even sending an email, say, I owe this money can reset that two year clock. But if it's been two years or more since any of the above things have happened, the creditor who's owed that money can no longer take legal action against you to force you to pay. So if you owe somebody money, they can call you, harass you, threaten to take you to court. But until they actually take you to court, they can't start seizing your assets, taking your wages or anything like that. If they've waited more than two years since the day you last made a payment or signed an acknowledgement on the debt, well, then they lose that right to ever take you to court so again it doesn't mean that debt is expired it doesn't mean that that debt is suddenly gone and will never reappear again it does mean that you can't be taken to court to be forced to pay that debt so for some people that's a lifesaver you know they're might be 70 75 years old on pensions aren't too concerned about a credit rating they'll just say well there's nothing they can do to me anyway they can call whatever if someone is earlier on in their financial life they still might want to deal with that debt because it will be a negative mark on their credit they might have new collectors you know every few months harassing them uh, but legally after two years they're can be nothing that's going to force them to pay that debt. Uh, One carve-out on this is it's for most consumer debts, but it doesn't apply to anything like child or spousal support arrears, which I think people would generally get. You can't wait out those obligations and make them go away, nor would you want to. Uh, You can't do this for any debts you've already been sued for, and there's been a court order against you. Um, That doesn't have a two-year limitation period. And finally, if you have any government debt, whether it's the CRA or something like ICBC, there's no limitation period. But things like credit cards payday loans, lines of credit, all of those are subject to the basic two-year limitation period.
1: Okay. Now, we've just got about a minute left, and, and I want to talk a little bit about the CRA. Uh, I only need to worry about Canada Revenue Agency if I owe money, and and you say that's fiction.
0: That is fiction because a lot of people think, well, I'm not going to file a tax return this year. I don't think I owe them money. And then they get a few years behind. It's actually worse in CRA's mind to not file a tax return than to file a return where you show a balance owing. They view that filing a return is, you know, the basic price of living in a civic society. So don't become a non-filer because eventually what CRA might do is what's called an arbitrary assessment where they just basically file your taxes for you, make up a number, and then you have to go through and disprove that. And suddenly they might start collecting against you pretty heavily. So there is hope when there's CRA debt, a trustee can help you reduce that debt, but it all starts with getting those returns filed. So even if you don't think you owe money, get the returns filed every year. And if you do owe money, make sure you file those returns because it will put you in a better category than otherwise.
1: Okay, excellent. Um, and if you want a place to start, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you've just described my situation. What do I do now? This is what you do. You give them a call, Sands & Associates at 1-800-661-3030 or check out their website. You can certainly get an appointment through there and look at all the terrific information they've got for you uh, that sometimes might explain something a little bit better so you know for sure that's the step you want to take. In any event, the website address is is sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. We're going to talk about solutions for folks that have tax or other government debts. Uh, Learning some key facts about options to manage government debts like outstanding taxes and student loans. Dealing with that unmanageable balance on the government debt, like overdue taxes or student loans, presents some pretty big challenges compared to other consumer debts. But Blair is going to highlight some of the key facts that we can be aware of in dealing with government debt and what options we have to get partial or even full debt forgiveness. Blair, in your work as a licensed insolvency trustee, there must be some common types of government debts that you keep seeing uh, week after week that people are are trying to deal with and you can give them some help with.
0: Oh, certainly, Elaine. And, you know, it's not everybody that comes in the door owes CRA, but the majority of people that are self employed, um, you know, when you're running your own business and things get tough, you know, it's often amounts owing to CRA can suddenly become the last to get paid. So it's quite a, you know, a strong proportion of the client base that comes in that does have some tax debt. Um, But what's really good for people to know is tax debt is a debt like any other and that it does have a solution. It can be dealt with uh, working with a licensed insolvency trustee. So the most common types of debts that we see, they're generally under the umbrella of Canada Revenue Agency, and CRA um, does collect for a number of different government programs, but the main categories are things like personal income taxes, which is Relatively straightforward. You file your taxes. There's a balance owing. So you're unable to clear that um, by the by the deadline in the year owed. Um, GST debt from your business. Um, this can often be quite significant because you know five percent of your sales you should be holding in trust and sending back to the government. But oftentimes when things get tough, um, that can be one of the first things that can stop happening. Um, student loans, whether it's a national student loan or provincial student loan, um, CRA often handles the collections for those as well. Um, medical services plan, so MSP, which we all know here in BC, although it stopped in January of 2020, if there was a balance owing, that balance was not written off and CRA could be collecting for that you know, at, at present now. And owing CRA money, I don't need to tell anybody who's owed CRA money, it's not something you'd want, it's not a situation you'd want to be in because CRA does have very strong collection powers, which we'll talk about, but they also charge compounding daily interest on unpaid latest balances owing. Um, and if you just decide not to file your tax return because because you know you owe them money, um, that can be even worse because when you do eventually file, um, they're going to hit you with late filing penalties, and they might even double those penalties if it's not your first time filing a return late. So generally, CRA has a lot of recourse, a lot of ability uh, to make things challenging. uh, But again, there is hope you can deal with a tax debt.
1: And I want to throw in, I haven't told this story for a very long time, Blair, but even if you're dealing with somebody's estate and you think, mm-hmm. oh, well, CRA can't possibly want to go after me because I'm looking after my mother's affairs or, or whatever, uh, they do. <laughs> like, there's there's not a lot of leeway. It's like, you owe this money. It's compounding interest. As we speak, you need to get this paid ASAP. Uh, it was quite a surprise to me. So, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It, in some cases, <laughs> you'll find, you know, it's, Depending on the day and the person, they can be very reasonable, or others, they're not too interested in circumstances, this is the obligation that has to be met, and if you're administering on behalf of someone else, you could be liable if you haven't done things correctly, so it, totally. it can be a very challenging situation, for sure. Yeah,
1: even though lots of other people will bend over backwards because, you know, you're dealing with an estate of, uh, you know, a, a parent or whatever. Yeah. Man, uh, CRA yeah. doesn't always care. <laughs> Any Just yeah. a little word of advice. Okay, so what are some of the other kinds of challenges that come up for people dealing with these types of debts, Blair?
0: Well for any of our regular listeners they would know you know we often say not all debts are created equal um, you know the dollar is a dollar theoretically in what you owe but certain creditors do have extra powers and certain different parameters. So the first off with tax debt is you have to know, there's no limitation period on tax debt. It doesn't expire. It doesn't go away. You can't wait out CRA uh, whenever you're, you know, if you leave the country, when you come back, that that's still going to be there. So it's not the case as it would be with a consumer debt, you know, a MasterCard or a Visa. You could say, okay, for two years, I'm just going to wait and see, are these people going to sue me? And if two years goes by and they haven't sued me, the debt is now beyond the limitations period. Nothing like that happens with tax debt. So it is something, you know, it's pay now or pay later. And usually It's a whole lot better to face it earlier on before it's compounded and and increased due to penalties and other things like that Um, a second part of that is so the debt doesn't go away but as i alluded to earlier the means that CRA has to collect on that debt uh, is enhanced beyond any other creditor so way more power than the banks the payday loan companies or anything um, CRA has the right to proceed with very severe collection actions virtually overnight Uh, most common creditors so again a bank or a credit card company they have to apply to court hire a lawyer spend a bunch of costs give you notice of everything with CRA all of those steps can be skipped. You don't even have to know, get, receive any notice that your wages might be taken on your paycheck of next week or that your house might have a charge registered against it. CRA can do those things with very little notice towards you. Now, that's not their default. Usually they're going to start trying to work with you, having good communication. But if you go silent, you could expect perhaps that some of these significant collection activities could happen against you. Uh, what CRA can also do, with, which other creditors can't, so again, a typical bank or credit card company they can go to you know your hr department and start to get your wages if they've sued you but let's say you're self-employed there's not much a typical credit credit card company could do even if they've sued you and you're self-employed with cra they can go direct to your clients and say any money that your clients owe you has to be paid directly to cra that's called a requirement to pay and essentially that chokes a business's revenue source uh, right revenue off at the source and often puts people out of business, so that's very drastic. Um, They can also garnish or seize pension and EI benefits, so CPP and OAS. You may have heard that can never be taken to pay debt. Well it can't be taken for consumer debt, but the government can decide they're not going to pay you anything unless you start to pay them some money, which I've seen before. Uh, They can start to intercept a rental or lease income from your tenants. Uh, They can even start to seize things from your bank account, uh, put charges on your home against investment proceeds, so there's a lot of things Sierra uh, can do that other creditors just don't have the power to do.
1: So that really speaks to the good idea to, if you're in this situation, to take some action with a licensed insolvency trustee and, and get this handled, or at least start the process to get it handled. And Sands & Associates is the place to go, the number 1-800-661-3030 or or their website, sans trustee.com. Uh, if you or someone you know is struggling with owing the government money, that's the very best step that you can take is uh, talk to a licensed insolvency trustee at Sands and Associates. Um, Blair, can you take us? Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to gonna say, Elena, and what's, what's really important about that, too, is if you do take action early, you can essentially forestall or stop CRA from being able to take any of these extreme remedies against you. So when I mentioned, you know, they can seize your bank account or freeze your bank account, uh, we sometimes have people running through our doors. Okay, CRA has frozen my bank account. We're saying, okay, this is their first step. What they might do next is they might put a charge against your house, for example. So let's start to take some action now so we can stop that from happening. Because if yeah. they put a charge against... Against your house. It's just like another mortgage being on title. It's not a mortgage they're going to require you to pay um, or to you know to, to make regular payments against. Um, but when it's time for you to sell your home or if you try to refinance your mortgage, CRA is going to get paid out before you receive any funds. So it is important to take action uh, to deal with the CRA debt before they've started to put charges against title or started to freeze your bank accounts. Some things can be undone, but it's always better to do it before they've taken that action against you.
1: OK, so since we're right there, what are some of the kinds of options that that somebody could take uh, to resolve this debt issue and that you can help them take to resolve their debt?
0: Yeah, well, first off, it's for people to understand they do have options because a lot of the times, even today, uh, people come in and they'll tell me about all of their debts and it's almost towards the end of the meeting, they'll say, oh yeah, I've also got this tax debt, but I know you guys can't help with that, so at least dealing with the other debt, I'll be better able to pay the taxes. It's not that case at all. There are means to eliminate, to reduce, to negotiate, um, to get out of government debt, essentially, for what you can afford to repay. It's not meant to be a life sentence when you owe the government money. Uh, There's two remedies you can work with a licensed insolvency trustee to implement uh, they're essentially the only two remedies short of taking the government to court or having you know very long acrimonious fights with them um trying to get the debt um you know if you say it's, it's not a valid debt. But if it is a valid debt, there's two ways you can deal with it. One is to do a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal, it would consolidate all of your debt, uh, put it together into a single monthly payment and give you a monthly payment you could afford that's usually based on repaying a portion of the debt. So it could be as low as 15 or 20 cents on the dollar. It could be as high as 80 or 90 cents on the dollar. It really depends on the circumstances, but often it is a significant reduction. And if the tax debt is so severe, it could be, I've seen hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars, you know, doing a proposal to pay back a percentage of that just might not be possible. But filing for bankruptcy, if you're unable to make a consumer proposal, bankruptcy is your other option. And depending on your circumstances, it could be over in as little as nine months. For someone who's never been bankrupt before and is low income, uh, their bankruptcy could finish in as little as nine months. So sometimes people go from thinking there's no solution at all to this tax debt, it's going to be around my neck for the rest of my life to, oh my gosh, I could be free of this in nine months. Or if I choose to do a repayment plan, it could take a little bit longer, but I avoid the bankruptcy. So people should have hope as dark as it can seem in the moment when CRA is threatening or has already seized assets or income, you can recover by doing either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy.
1: Okay. And again, the only people that are going to be able to do that with you and for you is a licensed insolvency trustee. Now, we've got a, a just about two minutes left. Blair, do you want to talk about, um, I, and I think this is a really good question, and I don't know if we've covered this question before, but does getting debt forgiveness on uh, through bankruptcy or consumer proposal... I, I, from government debt. Does it impact a person's ability to access, uh, government benefits later once it's all looked after? Like, how does that work? Mm.
0: Yeah, really good question, Elaine. Um, and the answer is no, it doesn't impact your ability. So you can still be eligible and apply for student loans, for EI benefits, emergency benefits, housing benefits, pensions, and more uh, following a government debt being included or written off as part of your bankruptcy or consumer proposal. Sometimes people are reluctant. They'll say, well, if I write off this government debt, are they just going to cut off my pension for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. I've never seen that happen. It will not happen. So uh, just because you deal with your government debt shouldn't cost compromise your ability to have government support in the future. And just very finally here, I know we're down to the last about minute or so, but a lot of people are calling us about SERB overpayment. So ah. the emergency response benefit, uh, if you were not entitled to it, or you were, or whatever, and government's asking for money back, it has now been clarified, absolutely, that is a debt a trustee can assist with. So if you've got a SERB overpayment, speak to a licensed insolvency trustee, it can be dealt with as part of either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy. We're starting to see more and more of those, and people are very scared scared. But to us, it's just any other debt. And the government has said they don't intend to try to keep this outside of the insolvency system. It is part of debts that people can get a fresh start on if they need to.
1: Okay, and again, a licensed insolvency trustee is going to be the only one that's going to be able to help you with this and come up with a strategy and take this on and get to that debt-free position. Uh, Sands & Associates, their website is so good. It's got so much good information, so many questions and really good answers, thoughtful answers, easy-to-understand answers. Uh, Sands-Trustee.com is the website, or you can just give them a call and get that appointment, 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. So it is tax time, there's no doubt about it. We're gonna go through the 2022 tax time tips Do's and don'ts. And if you're thinking, what? It's too early to start thinking about that. No, it's not. You need to start thinking about getting, (laughs) get started on your taxes, at least prepping. Like if you do it in even in small stages, I've learned over the years, took me a long time, do it in, in little increments as opposed to that huge mammoth job of sitting down and doing it all. Eh, just start, right? That's the key for me, I think. What do you think, Blair? Am I right about oh, that?
0: <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. And I, I shuddered a little bit if people are just starting to think about it now, because, you know, we're yeah. about a month out from the deadline. So for some people, it's very straightforward, literally half an hour and their taxes are filed. But for others, you might have to assemble a bunch of things together. Yep. Now is the time to start breaking it into bite-sized pieces so you don't feel incredibly stressed out the day before the, the tax filing is due.
1: Yeah, when you're sc- screaming at your partner to get it down to the mailbox or drop it on at the office and it's five to five on a, what, right. on a Friday night or whatever, we haven't. Anyways, we're going to talk about the dates. So, uh, Blair's going to talk about some tax time tips, do's and don'ts, uh, smart from everything from smart refund spending to mitigating a big tax balance and more. Uh, so what, what are your, let's just start, uh, tax time tips applicable for virtually everybody this year, Blair? I mean, is there some commonality? for folks.
0: Yeah, I think if nothing else, just from a headline point of view, you want to know if you need to file What you need to file and when you need to file. So, if you can answer those key questions, uh, you're probably not going to have too many issues with getting your taxes done. And let's kind of go through those kind of one by one. So, if you need to file, we often get asked, you know, if I didn't earn any income, do I need to file my taxes? Um, Just you're not going to owe any money. And, you know, theoretically, do you need to file if you don't owe money? Well, no, but there can be a whole lot of benefits, and we recommend everybody file their taxes every year. Um, So, first off, it's going to allow you to prove your income. So if you need to make some credit applications or housing applications in the future, you're going to have to have all your taxes filed in for every year. They're not going to accept, you know, a year I didn't make any money, I didn't file. Well, you have to prove that by filing your taxes. But even more importantly, you want to be able to receive the credits that are due to you from Canada Revenue Agency. So things like Canada Child Benefit, which can be very significant. And there's been some really good improvements in that over the last number of years. Uh, things like guaranteed income supplement uh, for senior citizens, uh, GST credits, low action, sorry, low income climate action tax credits. There's just a bunch of basically free money uh, that you can be entitled to, but you have to file your taxes every year uh, in order to get that. And that can be something that can really help persons budget. Uh, But it's important for everybody to know what their obligations are, especially if you are self-employed. And as we've often heard, ignorance of the law is no defense, and that is doubly so uh, when it comes to taxes. CRA will not give a whole lot of time to someone saying, you know, I didn't quite understand the requirements. I became self-employed. I didn't know what I had to do. Will you cut me some slack? In general, they won't. Um, So if you think your filing abilities are a bit beyond, uh, sorry, your filing requirements are a bit beyond your abilities, you definitely want to consult with a reputable bookkeeper or an accountant. Uh, you know, if you're self-employed, you definitely, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, you need to know, are you supposed to be collecting GST? Are you supposed to be doing payroll remittances? You know, if you don't do those things, you can be definitely be in a tough spot. Um, and then finally, just make sure you're educated on the latest scams. So, you know, oftentimes we're receiving these robocalls, that claim to be from CRA. A few years ago, there was a scam of, you know, getting a, a donation tax receipt for a much higher number than you actually donated. And then, you know, five years later, people are getting big reassessments from CRA so be very careful if something sounds too good to be true about a tax strategy there's not too much under the sun that's going to significantly reduce your tax balance owing in Canada Uh, and then in terms of the last question of when you need to file so definitely understand that filing and payment deadlines are not always the same so what happens for this year tax filing deadline is April 30th it actually works out to May 2nd because April 30th is a Saturday so you got a couple extra days there but it's April 30th unless you're self-employed you need to have your tax return filed by that day and that's also the payment due date for any balances owing for your 2021 taxes if you are self-employed you got a little bit of extra time you got until June 15th to file your tax return but very clearly the payment deadline is still April 30th so even though you haven't filed your taxes you don't know exactly what you're going to owe CRA wants you to estimate what you're going to owe and make that payment as of April 30th and if you fail to to do so they will hit you with interest and penalties and so on and so forth doesn't sound the most fair of situations but it is the reality so just be aware if you're self-employed you don't file till june 15th but everybody's supposed to pay on april 30th
1: now and you may you may not you may or may not know the answer to this question but why do they do it that way like it it just seems counterproductive to me or counterintuitive
0: well, that, I agree with you, Elaine. I think you know the extra time for being self-employed, I can understand that because you do need time to get all your books together and you know consolidate all your receipts, do your calculations. It's not as easy as just putting in the numbers from a single T4. So if they give you until April to just deal with a single T4, okay, give them a little bit of extra time for more complex things. I think that's nice of them, but that grace doesn't extend to payment. So that's, again, I just... Sometimes government do things that do things that don't make sense. I think this is one of those that doesn't necessarily make sense because your estimate could be off. And, you know, our advice is just to overestimate pay a little bit extra if you can. So you avoid interest or penalties, but it could result in you paying the government more money than you need to. And you'll get it back as a refund, but you won't have use of those funds for a period of time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So you need to take action. Those are the rules, folks. We don't make them up and I don't understand them uh, either, <laughs> but yeah, you yeah. got to do it. So if you already know that you're going to need some guidance this tax year, or you need to take some action to deal with debts and you're not too sure of next steps for you because it's tax season and because uh, we're, everything's due at the end of the month, uh, give Sands & Associates a call and see if there's some advice that you can get or start that process. 1-800-661-3030. And and make that appointment. So um, I like this, that you've included some tips for people who are expecting to get a tax refund. Uh, we, We don't often talk about that, but yeah, it's a good idea, right? To let people know the things they can do.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think one thing to keep in mind is getting a tax refund is not free extra money. This is actually your money being returned to you because essentially you overpaid during the year. Um, So it it doesn't always seem that way. It's like, oh, it's free money. Well, no, it's your money because you gave the government an interest-free loan essentially for a year. Uh, What we found from our clients is the best use of this money is quite often it's irregular expenses are what can really trip up a person's budget. So whether it's medical expenses, you know, eye exams or annual memberships or dues, uh, it's just things that don't happen every month but they do happen throughout the year. and can sometimes leave us short. So the best use for a tax refund is often to start to build up an emergency fund that you can use for regular expenses if you need to, or if you do have an income interruption or something happens, it can sustain you for a period of time. So if you don't have an emergency fund, we'd say definitely put your tax return um, as a really good start up to that emergency fund and continue to build that up over time.
1: That's a great idea. And I like you also included, you know, the suggestion that maybe it's time to check in on goals, that if you've had some goals, maybe now's the best time to take a look at that and see where you are with them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, whether it could be, again, if you've got that emergency fund, maybe your next goal is to save for a vacation or maybe from there it's a home down payment or planning for retirement. There's a number of goals and, you know, having a little bit of money that you can start with a seed for one of those goals is just great.
1: What about tips for people who are, who expect to owe more tax than they did? than they thought at least. Yeah,
0: the really important thing here, Elaine, is to understand why. So if you hit with a tax bill and you don't understand why, you can't stop it from happening again. So very common situations that we deal with, uh, number one is if people are working multiple jobs, so perhaps they don't have enough taxes being taken off at source and they end up every year owing more taxes. So they need to sit down with their employers and say, here's my total income, let's work out the right tax deductions so that enough gets taken off, but not too much, not too little. Um, The second thing that people often run into is cashing in RRSPs. And especially if you're doing that to pay debt, please stop, think, call us, let's talk it through because it's usually not a good idea. You don't have to do it. And you do get hit with a tax bill because almost always the withholding tax when you cash in the RRSPs just isn't enough. And when you file your taxes, you end up owing more money. And then the last one here, just conscious of time, is being self-employed and not collecting or remitting GST. So if you earn more than $30,000 as a self-employed person, The government is going to expect that 5% of your sales are going to be coming back to the government as GST. There's only a very small number of professions where this doesn't apply. And even if you haven't collected it from your clients, you can bet the government is going to want to collect it from you. So be very clear, if you're supposed to collect and remit GST, that's when you don't want to get behind on.
1: Excellent advice. Uh, and any more questions you've got, give Sands & Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030 for that first sit down and talk about your situation and see if you can't get those answers. Their website is also terrific for answers. It's sands-trustee.com. So we're going to look into the future life can look pretty different once you are debt free. So we're gonna talk about some key reasons to focus on getting out of debt. If it feels like paying off debt month after month is never ending and being debt free is so far into the future, Know that you're not alone, and that's what Blair is going to talk about from Sands & Associates. Of course, Blair's a licensed insolvency trustee. He's going to share some insights to help you envision your debt-free future, as well as give you some tips that can help you get there faster. So Blair, to start off, can you share a little bit about what you do at Sands & Associates and some of the debt management resources and services that you offer?
0: Well, with pleasure, Elaine. Um, so licensed insolvency trustees, as you mentioned, uh, I'm a trustee and we're a firm of LITs. We're Canada's only debt help professionals that are regulated and endorsed by the federal government uh, to provide debt help services to consumers. So sometimes people are surprised there's really only a single professional that has the power to help you reduce your debt, but that single professional is a licensed insolvency trustee. And at Sands & Associates, we're BC's largest firm of licensed insolvency trustees that are focused exclusively on providing services support and debt management solutions to consumers and small businesses. Uh, we've been around since 1990 and we've got a network of local offices throughout the entirety of the province now for a full suite of in-person um, and now increasingly virtual, whether it's telephone or video, uh, services for residents across BC. And the real difference people find when they're dealing with, with Sands & Associates in particular, as uh, we always wanted from the start of our firm that it extends through today in our ethos, is we treat people with confidence kindness with respect with empathy at all times we know it can feel overwhelming and intimidating to ask for help as especially when it's an issue that can be so personal. Sometimes there's a lot of shame. There's definitely still a stigma. Um, But when people are looking for debt help, the best place for them to turn is a licensed insolvency trustee. And it's not hard to get help from from an LIT. Every trustee and every trustee at SANS certainly offers free confidential consultations where you get professional advice or an impartial representative. And we help you arrange, you know, a, a arrange for whatever the best option is for you um, out of a full suite of options. And you don't need any referral. You don't need to pay any upfront costs. You can just phone up uh, a licensed insolvency trustee directly and start to talk about the solutions that are available to you.
1: And it's, uh, and you've got some, some things, some real solid ways to help people get out of debt. I know that um, some people are looking for bankruptcy or, and there's other options too. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that?
0: Of course, Elaine. The second half of the question, so who are we is one, but what do we do is, is even more important. And as you said, Elaine, there's a number of strategies that we can help people with to get out of debt. Um, two, that we help the majority of, of our clients with. Uh, one, people generally understand is a bankruptcy. So it's personal bankruptcy. Uh, it allows you to get a fresh start to deal with all of your debts and start again. Uh, we talk a lot about bankruptcy on this show, that it's generally not as bad as people would think. The conception uh, of bankruptcy is quite different from the reality, um, but it is something if you can avoid filing for bankruptcy, you'd like to do so. And about 20% of the people that we see um, end up filing for bankruptcy given their circumstances. Uh, About 80% of the people that we see are able to restructure their debts using what's called a consumer proposal. And a consumer proposal is the number one alternative to bankruptcy. It's got great advantages over many other options like getting a consolidation loan or even seeing a credit counselor. And what a consumer proposal allows you to do is to combine or to consolidate all of your debt into one interest-free payment where you repay just the affordable portion of the debt um, over a period of monthly payments. So most people offer to repay about 20 to 50 percent of their total debt and then the people that they owe money to, the creditors, agree to write off or forgive the unpaid portion and consider the debt paid in full. Uh, What's awesome about a proposal is that it can include just about every kind of debt, so including credit cards, overdrafts, payday loans, lines of credit, even government debt like taxes, student loans, and more and other than filing for bankruptcy if you owe the government money a consumer proposal is the only way that you can make a deal with the government to reduce those debts so for people that we meet with we'll go through all the options that are available to them but for the vast majority of cases they're able to file a consumer proposal and sometimes they had no idea this option even existed but when they reach out to a consu- to, to a licensed insolvency trustee they get that great information about a consumer proposal and all the information they need about other options like a bankruptcy
1: So if you're already thinking, listening to what Blair's saying and thinking, okay, uh, I'm not sure or for sure I want this option or maybe this strategy is going to be work to work for me. This is what, this is all you need to do is give them a call in order to move forward with your plan. 1-800-661-3030. You're calling Sands and Associates. Uh, check out their website as well, sands-trustee.com. So, Blair, what are some of the big ways that people tell you their lives have changed once they are debt-free?
0: Well, Elaine, it's absolutely transformational for many people. And a lot of people don't understand how much of an impact debt is having on them until that burden is lifted and they can see, well, wow, they're able to live in just such a different way. So, you know, just getting that constant stress, the constant anxiety and worry off a person's shoulder uh, can just make a huge difference. And also the sense of taking back control. So when people deal with their debt, um, you know, they suddenly are in the driver's seat. They're deciding how much they're able to repay. They're deciding when that payment is going to happen. They've got the protection of the trust Along their side, so you no longer feel like you're just being blown around by forces outside of your control, Um, and then you can start to put your mind on different topics. When your debt is not taking up your, you know, all of your mind all the time, um, you can start to be more creative, think about different opportunities. You know, people get a lot more confident in their financial literacy, and sometimes people decide to make career changes. Now they can see a lot more clearly uh, because the debt has been eliminated. Um, I think some of our past clients have said it best in their testimonials, and anyone that's seen um, some of our ads on tv they're real clients they're unscripted i'll just quote a couple here uh sabrina said it gave me hope Um, she was dealing with a tough situation a mother of four boys in vancouver doing a consumer proposal gave her the hope to move forward. Uh, Another person said, I could finally breathe again. I felt I had something to look forward to. Uh, Another gentleman said, I felt that weight off my shoulders for the first time in a long time. It actually looks like I've got a great future ahead of me. Um, That was from one of our clients, Ian. And uh, Elaine, just this morning, I actually had an email from Ian, and I'm still smiling about this email, uh, because Ian's passion uh, was that he wanted to become uh, a comic book designer, to write his own stories, to have his books published. And just this morning he sent me an email with a copy of his first comic book. Um, he's self-publishing. He's sending it out, um, you know, to people for feedback. And he says, you know, from seven years I was broken. Now I've got my own comic book published. You know, what a transformation! And you know, we get messages like that not every day, but but quite often where people just say their life is so completely different because they they face the debt burden head on.
1: Oh, isn't that wonderful? Whoa, that's such a great testimonial to hear that from Ian. Um, mm-hmm. And and listen, I let's finish this segment off talking about. What are the reasons, and I'm sure there's some common reasons why people delay, uh, let fear get in their way from getting that professional help, and maybe you're going to help describe somebody who's listening right now, and they're going to go, oh, that's me, I need to do something.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great p- uh, point to end on, Elaine. It's only 5% of people that seek our help do so right away. 95% of people, they struggle, they stumble about, sometimes they do things that aren't helpful to them, and it's often a period of up to two years. Uh, when we ask people, you know, why didn't you seek help right away, there were three main reasons people reported back to us. Number one, they wanted to manage the debt on their own, and obviously, you know, we support that, try to get a hold of things, but you got to be, you know, comfortable with what you can actually do under your own steam versus when you need help. Um, the other two, I think, are are more on point, which they felt ashamed about not being able to handle their debts, and they felt embarrassed to ask for help or worried about being judged. So this stigma about when people find themselves in debt, that they've done something wrong, um, you know, that's something that we try to overcome all the time. It's possible to have done everything right and still be in a situation where you have to restructure your debts. So there's no situation where you should be ashamed to reach out for help. There's no situation so severe that you can't get help for your debts.
1: That's such a great... just such a great reminder uh, of all the people that I've met, Blair, and in, in, in at Sands & Associates over the years of doing the show. I mean, you've just got a really great bunch of people who are thoughtful and kind and knowledgeable and experienced, and it, it's just such a great avenue. I just want to remind you, uh, sands-trustee.com is the website. The phone number is 1-800-661-3030. You're listening to Dollars & Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time.
0: The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKW.